Turn, please, in the Scriptures to the book of 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. I believe the Lord has given us a word, message for this morning. Thank you, Lord. That's good, isn't it? It will be bad to be time for the message and not have anything. That would be... <laughs> That's <a> nightmare. <laughs> but the Lord is faithful. He is so faithful. But in seeking him about my part this morning, I was impressed with this passage. In 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter... You don't mind if we read several verses this morning? I mean, nothing I could say would be more important than reading the actual text, right? 2 Corinthians 10 and verse uh, 7, he said, well, let's pray. Let's release our faith. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit can minister. I don't care if it was 100,000 people. In the same service, he can minister to each one individually, all of us simultaneously. It's amazing. But that is the supernatural ministry of the teacher. So let's release faith for it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're asking you for utterance, for the anointing, for all of us to have eyes that can see, ears that can hear, heart and mind that can discern understand, perceive, receive. We're asking for answers to questions. We're asking for direction. We're asking for a supply of the Spirit, the working of the anointing. And we purpose not to be hearers only, forgetful hearers, but to be doers. And as surely as we act on what you say, we know there will be miracles. You always watch over your word and perform it. In the lives of those who step out and do it. In Jesus name. Amen. amen. Somebody say I'm a, I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Not just a meeting goer. Not just a CD player. Not just a note taker. Not just a scripture talker. I'm a doer. Of the word of God. Okay, that's the only people that get results, is the ones that actually do it. In uh, 2 Corinthians 10 and 7, he said, do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ's. Uh, skip on down to verse uh, 12. He said, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they, measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, are not wise. There's a whole lot of themselves. 
<laughs> in there. Isn't it? <laughs> Down in verse 17, he says, He that glories, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Now, in verse 12, looking back there again, he said, uh, if you compare yourselves among yourselves, King James says, you're not wise. Several translations say, you are without understanding. You don't understand. The New Living Translation says it like this. He said, don't worry, we wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men. Who tell you how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other. Using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. <laughs> Measuring themselves among themselves. He said you don't understand. So what is it? That people who are comparing don't understand. Would you want to talk about that this morning? Is, is that okay? <laughs> what? If, if, you're, if you're comparing yourself. Well, let me just pause right here. How well are you doing in life? Huh? How are you doing? <laughs> How you doing? How you doing in life? How you doing health-wise? How you doing marriage-wise? How you doing in your family? How you doing financially? How you doing? Hmm? Well, if you attempted to give me an answer, what would it be based on? Would it be based on how you think you're doing Compared to other folks. And if that's the case, the Bible says, <laughs> if you read the other translations, it actually gets pretty rough. It says, you know, ignorant, stupid. I mean, there's a lot of words. I like the King James, not wise. <laughs> it's just, I think a, a, maybe a, a real accurate translation is don't understand. If you understood, you wouldn't do that. How well is your church doing? <laughs> huh? Y'all with me or not? How well is your ministry doing? Hmm? Well, if you, if you endeavored to give me an answer, what would it be based on? Hmm? Well, we're doing better than them. <laughs> but then the Bible says you're not smart. You're not being wise. You, you don't understand some things. And uh, as you can see, we've done this. Without calling ourselves doing it, we've done it. And it's also taken the fun out of life. Hmm? 
I did I didn't intend to preach on this message this morning. <laughs> and I was going one direction, and then the Lord brought uh, to my remembrance something that uh, Phyllis got just a few days ago, about a week ago. She said in early in the morning the Lord uh, quickened to her that people were not enjoying a number of things because they're competitive. Everything has been made a competition. And man, we it set off some things, and the more we talked about it, we saw this scripture, we saw that scripture, we saw this, we saw that. It's tied to things all over the place. And why? Why? If you compare yourself with someone, what are your possible outcomes? <laughs> you compare yourself with these folks. Usually you're going to come away either thinking you're superior or inferior. Right? And a lot of times you will come away thinking you're inferior. Because you know all of your deficiencies and you don't know all of theirs. So you're comparing something you know intimately to something you barely know about. Which means you're not wise. Being foolish. And it's a trick of the enemy. Because what he wants you to do is become convinced that pretty much everybody... Is doing better than you. And you just aren't making the mark. You aren't doing anything. You don't have anything. You don't know anything. Compared to what? Compared to who? Hmm? And in whose eyes? And who are we trying to impress? <laughs> well, we're doing good now, aren't we? Is this okay? How many believe this is a good word? What will the truth do for you? The truth will make you free. It, it, it's a fact. People are not enjoying where they are. They're not enjoying what God has done for them because they're comparing it to something else and belittling it and demeaning it. Hmm? I know uh, I had the privilege of working in Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr.'s ministry. He's in heaven now, him and Miss Aretha. Looking forward to seeing them again. And we, Phyllis and I, had the privilege of working with them for 20 years. And had the privilege of working in his healing school for a number of years. And uh, he was there ministering in the afternoons. And then he called some others together. He said, one man can't do it all. I'm going to be on the road. I'm going to be doing this. Who has healing school on their heart? And I did. And, 
And I wound up and some other folks in there doing it. And man, pretty soon, I'm the one laying hands on people instead of him in the healing school. You talk about feeling inadequate. Because man, I mean, he, he's uh, the head of the church appeared to him, laid hands on him, put his finger in the palm of each one of his hands. How do you follow that? (laughs) And yet, I'm up. Right? Batter up. I'm up. And so I, I, I struggled with this. And uh, one of the first times I spoke where he had been speaking, uh, they asked me to speak. And man, I was, you talk about green, that don't even describe it. I mean, I, I think I had spoken maybe four or five times in my life. I'm still trying to find where the books of the Bible are. <laughs> and they asked me to speak. And I had told them anything I can do to help. I'm here to help. And, 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 and I, I, I'm talking about, you know, setting up and tearing down, greeting people. And I was doing all that. And they said, well, we want you to speak next Thursday. I said, uh, oh, okay, all right. And they left. And then as I'm, I, I went out to the parking lot to go back to my little apartment and my little 1969 pickup truck, I, I uh driving down the road and, and the, the devil got in the truck with me. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, he said, you have messed up. You have messed up. They don't know how ignorant you are. I mean, you, these, and here's people, this is healing school. These people have serious issues. They don't need some novice in there trying to fumble around and find out what to do. They need real help. I thought, oh, my, my, my. And by the time I got back to the apartment, I was convinced. I was going to call them and tell them, look, you know, I answered too quickly. Uh, <laughs> I was. I was picking up the phone. I was thinking, you know, I, I, we don't need to do this. I, I just, I'm not, I'm not qualified. I'm not, I'm not. And I picked up the phone and the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice, but inside he said, you better ask me first. So I put the phone back down. <laughs> I said, yes, sir. And so I went to my little closet, and it wasn't very big, and literally got inside it. I got inside and shut the door, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I finally ran out of gas. And Miss Glenn on my side, I thought, what am I going to do? I mean, Brother Hagen is... I mean, he's been, at that time he'd been in the ministry for, what, 40 years? And, and he's had multiple visitations from the head of the church. And, and, and you know, he was raised up from a deathbed. Now, all these things. And, and uh, I finally got quiet. And, and the Spirit of God spoke to me. And he said, uh, you don't think you have much. I thought, no. <laughs> I know I don't know much. <laughs> And he said, uh, Brother Hagin didn't start where he is. He said, and he reminded me about comparing yourself. He said, uh, you need to be thankful for what I've given you. And you need to focus on what I've given you and not think about him. Not compare yourself with him. You'll be at a different place after 40 years of ministry too. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, sir. Yes, yes. How many times? That is a foolish thing to do. Me comparing myself, I've been in the ministry for a whole six months, <laughs> to somebody that's been in the ministry for 40 years. Yeah. Yes, sir. Why would you be that dumb? <laughs> that is being without understanding. Yeah. That is being foolish. Yes. It just doesn't even make sense. And so I'm laying there, and he said, uh, you feel like you don't have anything. He said, do you remember the little boy's lunch? Five loaves, two fish. I thought, yes, sir. He said, you feel like you have so little. But don't forget, I can take a little and do a lot with it. Is that true or not? I can take a little and do a lot with it. He said, you go on and do this. I'll help you. But quit comparing yourself. Quit looking at him. You be thankful for what I've given you. And you emphasize that. And you focus on that. And you hold it up, even though it seems small, and you thank me for it. And I'll multiply it to meet the need. So I did. I thought, man, I may be done in 10 minutes or five, you know, but, but here we go. Here we go. So I came out, and they're used to seeing Brother Hagin, and, and who is this? <laughs> so that didn't help. <laughs> and uh, so I, I, I did what the Lord told me. I felt like I had one sardine and a half a cracker. for six months <laughs> but I held up my sardine and my half cracker what would you have if you didn't have that and what do you have that wasn't given to you come on are y'all with me yeah, but what about them what about them do you remember that uh, when uh, Peter asked Jesus what about him yeah <laughs> There was fairly strong language resulted. Is that right? What about him? He said, Peter asked about John. Well, what about him? Because the Lord told Peter how he was going to go. And his death and how he's going to glorify the Lord. And, and, and instead of Peter focusing on that, he says, well, how about your boy over there? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean everybody knows you love John. Because John tells us every day he loves me. <laughs> And he did. He did. <laughs> How about you, golden boy over there? He said, well, what, what did the Lord say? What did he say? If I want him to stay till I come back. Now, that's a statement. He didn't have to say that. In fact, John had to clarify it. He said, now, he didn't say I was going to stay. He said, if I wanted him. To stay. But why would the Lord say something like that? If I want him to stay till I come back, what is that to you? You follow me. Huh? If he gives your best friend a 10,000 member church, and you've got eight and a half. 
300 miles from civilization. Come on, are you listening to me? What is that to you? Hmm? If half your friends are handling big amounts of money and you're still handling a small amount, what is that to you? Can you see how insidious the enemy is? If he can get you to comparing yourself with something else on, on a, you know, continuous basis, you're going to, for, one of the worst things that can happen to you, period, is to be unthankful. Romans 1 says, if you're unthankful, your understanding is darkened. The more unthankful you get, the dumber you get. That's, I'm not making a joke. You, you, the more unthankful you become, the less you see, the less you realize. You've seen it when people become unthankful about one thing. The next thing you know, they're not thankful about this either. And they're not thankful about that either. And you get to the place where you've got all kind of things going good in your life. And yet you think you've got no reason to live or go on. It's, it's deception. It's confusion. Oh, but in his light, you will see light. If you begin to be, even though you've got some deficiencies or some problems or challenges, if you'll focus on not on what you don't have, not on what you don't know, not on what you can't do, focus on what you have. And begin to thank God for that, the light you have, the knowledge you have, the resources you have. Focus on that and more light will come. In His light, you'll get more light. In darkness... Unthankfulness, griping, bitterness, all that, it gets darker. It just gets worse yes. and worse. Yes. So I came in there that Thursday with my sardine and one sardine and half a cracker. And I held it up and I said, thank you, Lord, for this bountiful provision. <laughs> well, that's faith, right? I mean, that's thank you, Lord. For this bountiful provision. And so I stepped out by faith. And man alive. My little three thoughts that I had. Multiplied. God brought me illustrations. He brought me verses. And an hour and 30 minutes later. People were looking at me spiritually going. "Mm, Boy that's good. People were healed. People were helped. And I thought to myself when I left, these folks don't know what a miracle just happened. They have no idea what kind of miracle they just saw on the platform. (laughs) But I've been doing it ever since. Ever since. I must not think about other people. If I see somebody's, God's using them wonderfully, I just rejoice. But what does that have to do with me? Hmm? If I compare myself with them to see how I'm doing, I cannot come out well. I'm going to come out wrong no matter which way I go. 
Because there's no way I can really know the truth of what I would be trying to do in comparison. Go with me to Scripture, I'll prove it to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. The Lord's helping me to condense a three-week seminar (laughs) into our remaining minutes. Matthew 25. Let me, let me remind you of a great truth. We've already touched on it. But if you keep this central in your thinking, it'll help you to identify the subtle trickery of the enemy. Anything that causes you to be less thankful for what God has done and is doing in your life is wrong. It's wrong thinking. It's wrong believing. Anything that causes you to be any degree less thankful or less appreciative. And that's, isn't that exactly what happens? If you compare what you have to something that somebody else has that seems a whole lot bigger and a whole lot nicer, and then you look back at yours and go, well, mine's not, not anything compared to that. Didn't you just become unthankful, unappreciative? Then without knowing the details, you can know that's wrong. Those thoughts, those feelings are wrong. They're from the enemy and their lies. In Matthew 25. Well, these are some, some wonderful truths here that can help you to be happy every day. No matter what's going on or what happens in other people's lives, you can just be happy every day. (laughs) In Matthew 25, uh, Verse 14, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several or individual ability. And straightway took his journey. Now, How did he distribute these talents or resources? And see, this is revealing the Lord himself. According to each person's individual ability. Who knows that but the Lord? You don't know it yourself. You do not know your own ability in him. You don't know. So how could you know somebody else's? You don't even know yours. How could you know theirs? Well, if you're comparing yourself to them, based on what? 
You don't know their ability. You don't even know yours. So what are you comparing? There's no way you can know how well they're doing. Because you don't know what God gave them. There's no way you could know. Because he hasn't given everyone the same. To one he gave five. To another what? Two. To another one. And why did he give them different amounts and different measures? Because he knew their ability, what, what they could do and would do. Hmm? So let's say after the Lord has ministered things to people and after some time and activity, you got one guy that's got five talents still and you got another guy that's got four. Well, then the guy that has five is doing better. He was given five to start with. Yeah. Yeah. He hadn't done anything. That's right. And he still got more than this other guy right. yeah. who's doubled his. Uh-huh. Now, that's not what happened in the, in the parable, but I'm giving you an example mm-hmm. of how you, just because a number is bigger, yeah. that does not mean the person's doing well. Yes. You can't know. I can't know. And so if I'm comparing, you know, if the Lord gave me two, and by His grace and help, we've doubled them and we got four, and this other guy has six, let's say, but God gave him five to start with, then my four don't look so hot against his six, and yet... I'm doing better. I'm doing better. Is everybody awake? Are you? <laughs> if we get enlightened and we have some understanding, we will stop this comparison. Yes. And we will stop this competitiveness. In the body of Christ. We'll stop it. Because we'll, we'll realize that there's no way we could know. How well they're doing or not doing. Number one, I'm going to give you two, two reasons why when, people, when the scripture says uh, they're without understanding if they compare. Why are they without understanding? Or if we've done it, why have we been without understanding? Number one, I just gave you, there's no way you can know how well the other person is really doing. You will not know that. And then secondly, how well I'm doing compared to others means nothing. Because I will not be judged by them. Thank you. Every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and He's not going to say, You did better than them, or they did better than you. 
In Matthew 25, are you still there? Stay hooked with me. Hmm? In Matthew 25, uh, verse 15, every, each man according to his individual ability. Then he that had received the five talents, he went and traded with the same, verse 16, and made five other talents. So he used what God gave him and made progress. Likewise, he that had received two, he gained other two. And uh, he that received one went and digged in the earth, hid his Lord's money, didn't do anything with it. After a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons with them. Is this talking about our Lord and Master? Yes. Yes, sir. It's been a while, but is he coming? Yes. Is he coming? Yes, sir. And is he going to reckon with us, mm-hmm. with what we have done, yes, sir. with what he gave us? Yes. Yes. Scripture says in more than one place in the New Testament, we will give an account. To him. Hmm? Brother Hagin said, uh, talking about that healing anointing earlier, when the Lord ministered that healing anointing to him in that vision, he didn't always go into this, but he asked the Lord to give it to somebody else. <laughs> he did. He said, Lord, because. Uh, People were excluded from full gospel denominations for laying hands on people to receive the Holy Spirit back then. And to come out and say, you had a tangible anointing, you'd have been ostracized, which he was. And a lot of people think you're just nuts if you say, I saw Jesus. He laid hands on me. Right? He knew that. He knew it's going to be something to deal with. He said, Lord, please, you know, give it to somebody else. He said, I'll stay back and pray. and I'll, I'll support, but, you know, surely somebody else. And the Lord, he said, the Lord asked him, he said, are you going to stand before men or before me? You know, this is something we need to have in our thinking. This is real. In a very short amount of time, you and I are going to be standing, not at the same time, but when our time comes, before the Lord. Not to see if we're saved or lost. But to give a reckoning and account of what we did with what was given us in this life. And I tell you, friend. It ain't going to cut it if you look and say, well, I, I would have done that, Lord, but you know, my, my spouse wouldn't cooperate. I would have done that, but it, my church wouldn't acknowledge me. I would have done that, but you know, I didn't have this. It, none of that's going to cut it. None of that's going to cut it. We do not need to compare ourselves with anybody else. About, we need to be thinking about one thing. What am I doing with what he gave me? Nothing else is your business. Hmm? What he gave them, what is that to you? You can't know how well they're doing. Because you don't know their ability in God and you don't know what he gave them. He didn't give everybody the same 
graces, the same doors. Hmm? But he did give you something. I said he did give you something. It may feel like a, a sardine and half a cracker. Huh? So it's only $5. No, it's not only $5. It's $5. Come on now. Yeah, but they got $5 million. What is that to you? What is that to you? <laughs> and... Verse 20, he, he that had received five talents came and he brought other five talents. And, and, and he said, Lord, you delivered to me five. And I gained beside him five more talents. And the Lord said, you have sure passed the other guys. <laughs> Man, that five puts these other guys in the shade. I mean, that's, that's the top number. You win. Mm -mm, this is not the kingdom. He says, well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. After that, he that received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. And look, I have gained two more talents beside him. And the Lord said, well, that's okay. But you didn't win. This guy's got 10. So, you know, 10 trumps four. So you need to, you know. No, tell me what he said. Exactly. Exactly the same words. Why? Because how is the man with 10 any more faithful than the man with four? Hmm? The man with four wasn't given five. Right, right. He didn't have five to work with. Well, Lord, I wish you to give me five. He knows you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He knows you. Yes, sir. Not what you've told somebody else or what you've imagined in your head, but <laughs> what you actually are and will and won't do. He knows you. He said, Lord, I, I took that two you gave me, and I got on it. Man, we doubled it. We got four. And the Lord said, well done. Yes. Yes. How many believe this was no, nothing diminished from the well done he told the other guy? This is exactly, it's exactly the same. Why? Because he is just as resourceful, and he is just as faithful. He did the same thing. That guy doubled what he had. This guy doubled what he had. Same thing. Yes. Yes. Same thing. And the Lord told him exactly the same thing. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. It's no accident. This is word for word. Exactly the same. That's the message he's teaching us. God doesn't reward notoriety. Or size. Or numbers. He rewards faithfulness. 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 
Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say faithfulness. 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 Turn to Romans 4, please. Or excuse me, I should say 14. Romans 14. Can you take some more? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I tell you what, on on your way there, go by John. (laughs) Uh, I think we need to see this. John 5. Now what what this accomplishes is the undermining of confidence and faith. If you compare yourselves with other people, often the, the result is condemnation. Because again, you're comparing, you know all your mistakes and deficiencies and everything else. You don't know theirs. And it's easy to look at somebody from a distance and go, look how perfect they are. Well, you don't know them. Look how amazing they're doing. You don't know how well they're doing. Well, it's ten times the size of everybody else. You have no clue how well they're doing. You don't know what God gave them. And what he has, what they've done with what he gave them. You have no way of knowing that. Besides that, when this life is over, which is going to be just a few more breaths, we're not going to be lined up and compared to each other. You are going to answer individually to the Lord, not what you did compared to somebody else, but what you did with what he gave you. Hmm? How well, how well I do can only be measured by how well I do with what he gave me. And I know more about that than anybody else. In John 5, verse 44, he said, How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God only? He's saying you you can't. You can't believe. This is a faith killer. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that comes from God only? The Amplified says it like this. How is it possible for you to believe? You who receive praise and honor and glory from one another and yet do not seek the praise and honor and glory which come from him. Who alone is God? Who are we seeking to please? Hmm? Now see, the truth is, many people in this life, God is not as real to them as he should be. But people are. Hmm? And many are so insecure. They don't know who they are in Christ. And so they look for people's approval to find their identity. 
And how well they're doing is completely based on how they perceive other people to think how well I'm doing. So they're always looking out here. Do they think I'm doing better than them? They think I, do they think I'm better than this one or better than that one or doing better or have more or greater or whatever? And Jesus said, if you're doing that, if you're seeking their praise, you're not seeking God's praise and you can't believe. You can't have faith. It undermines it. And it's a bondage. Because you're always having to keep up with other folks to see how they're doing, to see how you're doing. Oh, no. They gained another 50 people. Oh, no. Uh, What I got to do, what I got to do, I got to find out how to get 55 people. At least. Hmm? Oh, they they had a bigger offering. Oh, they got a bigger building. Oh, they got a bigger house. Oh, they got a new Mercedes. Whew. I got to come up from where I am. Why? To please who? <laughs> to impress who? Whose praise are we seeking? We should be seeking His praise. I mean, every Christian would agree with that. But is every Christian doing that? No, no, they're not. And I won't ask for any show of hands anybody that's ever (laughs) sought men's praise. The whole world around us is competitive about everything. Pee-wee soccer. (laughs) They teach them to growl at each other. We're number one. We're number one. That means we run over you. But think about the concept. I know some people may not be happy with all this, but take it before the Lord. For somebody else has to lose for me to feel better about myself. What kind of spirit is that? Hmm? What kind of spirit is that? Why? What's the whole point of it? I beat you. I'm better than you. I'm superior to you. I beat you in business. I'm smarter. I'm faster. I'm quicker. I'm better. You're seeking the glory of men. And you're taking credit for anything that happens. Giving no glory to God. And the Bible said, how can you believe? Because faith is complete dependence on God. Not independence. It's complete. It can be independence from men. But it's complete dependence on God. And what do you have? He said, that wasn't given to you. And if you're able to succeed and progress, then what should happen? Man, look what you did. You go, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, you're just trying to be humble. No, I'm just trying to tell the truth. The Lord gave us this. And he sustained us and helped us. 
and it has grown. Hmm? Huh? Yes. What Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Go yes. somebody say, God gave the increase. God, if he hadn't have done it, there wouldn't be any. You could have worked yourself crazy, tried everything you knew, and fell down and done nothing. Yes. How many think we should seek God's praise and glory and recommendation? Not, not he that commends himself, but whom the Lord commends. And when good things happen and we come up and are added to, shouldn't we be quick to give him? It doesn't make me any better than you if I did something bigger. Are you better than me? It was the Lord. He did it. He gets the glory. Whether he used you, whether he used me. He could have used somebody other than either one of us. Can you see this, friend? When we have understanding, we stop the competitiveness with one another. We stop the comparing with one another. We realize, I don't know what God gave you. And what is that to me anyway? I need to focus on what he gave me. I need to be doing everything I can with what he gave me. Because in just a few days... I'm going to be standing in his judgment seat, giving an account. Hmm? Oh, you're going to be saved. You're not going to be lost if you didn't do the best. But, and people say, well, right, man, if I can just make it in, that's all I care. You see that now. But when you see the rewards that some folks get, you'll. How many think we ought to do the best we know how for the Lord? Hmm? Do the best. Take advantage of our opportunities. Take advantage of the graces and gifts and callings he's given us. And you know how he is. He's big on stewardship. And if you're faithful with a little, he'll give you more. Is that right? He'll add to it. He'll add to it. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If I go to Romans 14, that's good for at least another hour. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't, don't think maybe today's the day for Romans 14. Go to, how about Galatians? Galatians is good. Go to Galatians. <laughs> go to Galatians. Chapter 6. Oh, thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, you, you will see that if you want to do a further study on this, look up the words strife and vain glory, and you'll find that other translations will say rivalry. And competitiveness. Because that's included in the idea of strife. And vain glory. What's vain glory? It's seeking the glory of men. And that's vain. Now, some of these thoughts may be a little bit sobering. Because of having made mistakes in these areas. But friends, can you sense in your spirit what kind of freedom... 
this results in. You get up every day. And no matter how much people succeed around you, you're just happy for them. It doesn't bother you. It doesn't chafe you. Because you're never comparing yourself with anybody else. What you are doing is running your race. Hmm? You are focusing on what he gave you and the opportunities he gave me today. Come on. Is it true? See, we got a lot of we got a lot of ministers that have quit the ministry because they didn't think they were doing as much as other people. I uh, I was ministering for a guy. This has been 25 years ago now in a place, and he had a good church and good people, and we ministered. Had good service. It wasn't big, but it was it was a good place. And uh, after the service, he said, Brother Keel, I'm going to ask you something. He said, uh, some other ministers told me that, you know, within the next 12 months or so to a year and a half, if, if I hadn't reached a certain point attendance-wise, I should just close. Wow. I said, what? <laughs> he said, yeah, I, I'm thinking about it. I said, Why? Well, you know, it's only X amount. It was a good church. I mean, it wasn't 10,000, but it was a good church. And uh, so the Lord prompted me to talk to him. And so we began to talk about it. Why would you be doing that? Who called you here? Huh? Do you have confidence? Why did you start this? He started this church from scratch. Why did you start this? Well, man, I, the Lord, I know the Lord told me to. Well, when did he tell you to leave? <laughs> well, I can't say that he did. Well, I suggest you stay. <laughs> he did. Church is still going today. It's a good, strong church. Hallelujah. You have no idea. Let's say you had 25 people. You don't know what could come out of those 25 people. Sowing the incorruptible seed of the word of God that never fades, never quits. One seed in one man or woman could change the next generation. You, You don't know what God can do. How many believe he can take a little and do a lot with it? But see, can you see the trick of the enemy? This man's about to quit. He's about to close up a good work. He's about to get out of the ministry. Why? Because the enemy has convinced him through other preachers to compare himself with other churches and works. And the result was, I'm not doing anything. Lies. Lies. Oh, somebody say lies. The Lord quickened to me when we started the second church in, in Sarasota. I was seeking the Lord about it. I knew we were supposed to do something else. But uh, in the, I was watching the History Channel one evening. And it was about World War II and the battle in the Pacific. 
and the taking of Iwo Jima. And you know that famous picture of the uh, Marines and the corpsmen and different ones putting up the flag on the hill. That's where that happened. And uh, Iwo Jima is a tiny, tiny little sulfur rock that stinks. <laughs> well, it's sulfur. Sulfur. And it is the, and, and when we took Iwo Jima, it was thousands and thousands of casualties between deaths and people injured, wounded. Thousands. In fact, it was a bit of an uproar back home at that kind of price paid for that tiny little stinking rock. But what nobody knew and what they began to share in the, the history channel there, what nobody knew is that it was of strategic importance. Yes. Yes. Somebody say of strategic yes. importance. And when, when they said that, the Spirit of God prompted me, pay attention. Yes. Pay attention. Yeah. I sat up in my chair. <laughs> they went on to describe how that in those days, the bombers were not completely reliable. The old radial engines that they had in these long, long Pacific treks, oftentimes engines would fail. And sometimes they, they couldn't make it to that long, that whole leg. They needed a place to divert and to land if there was an emergency. And what nobody knew is that the atomic bomb had been developed and was ready and the delivery vehicle was the bomber. And it had to have this place for to, uh, to be able to divert. If not, it could have been lost if, it was, if they went down in the Pacific. Or worse, the enemy get a hold of it. And there wouldn't have been enough time where the war was to develop another one, especially if it was used against us. The reason they paid such a price was this little sulfur rock was of strategic importance. Now the guys on the ground didn't know that. And I'm sure they're wondering, why are we fighting and dying for this stinking rock? But, boots on the ground, don't see the big picture. I said, boots on the ground, don't see the big picture. Oh friends, the captain of our salvation... He knows the whole picture. Hallelujah. And when he sends you somewhere and he appoints something in your life, it may seem like your little sulfur rock. You and four other people and your sardine and half a cracker. And you will have to be strong because the enemy will come and he will rail on you. Are you crazy? What are you doing all this far? Look at this, this little out of the way place. Look at this little handful of people. Look at this. You're nothing. You're doing nothing. Would the Holy Spirit ever tell you such a thing? No. 
So where's that coming from? Where's that coming? That's coming from the enemy of your soul. Trying to discourage you. And that here's the truth. You do not know how important it is that you get that and you hold your post and you take what God gave you. It is of strategic importance to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And we must walk by faith. Some folks are going to be more visible than others. Some, the numbers and the things are going to be a lot bigger. But you have no idea how well you're doing compared to them. You don't know how well they're doing. There's no way you could know. And besides that, what is that to you? I'm quoting Jesus. Would Jesus ever look at you and go, what is that to you? And if he said that, what should you say? Nothing. Nothing. Sorry. I won't, I won't bring them up again. That's, you're right. What do you say? What is that to you, Peter? You follow me. Hmm? Come on, boy. Get your sardine. Get your cracker. Let's take this off a rock. Huh? Why? I don't have to know why. The Lord told me to do it. Hold your post. Take your ground. Come on, are y'all with me? Everybody's got their spot, got their place, got their things they're supposed to do. Come on, are you going to do yours? In just a few days, you're going to be standing before the Lord. He is not going to want to hear what you think about what somebody else did. You're not going to be compared to anybody else. So it's foolish to compare with anybody else down here. In Galatians 6. Galatians 6. He said, I'm going to read to you beginning in verse 3. If a man think himself to be something when he's nothing... He deceives himself. So I said, well, that's Bible too. <laughs> what is he, what's he talking about? Verse 4. Let every man prove what? His own work. Then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Oh, come on. Can you see this? For every man shall bear his own burden. What does that mean? The BBE says every man is responsible for his part of the work. Oh, can you see that? What's he saying? Assume your own responsibility. Don't compare yourself. Listen to the Amplified. Let every person carefully scrutinize, examine, and test his own conduct and his own work. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. What a different place it would be if none of us were threatened by each other's success. We realize we're all on the same team. Hmm? I'm sure these guys might have been, you know, some of them that survived the, the island, Iwo Jima. 
went back and talked to some of their fellow uh, Marines or, or whoever and they say, well, well, we took such and such beach and, and we took out a whole, uh, uh, you know, destroyers and carriers. We did. What'd y'all do? Well, we took this little sulfur rock. <laughs> they might think, but the truth was this was at least as important to the outcome of the whole conflict as what they're doing. But they couldn't have known. It wasn't revealed to them. Nope. <laughs> Somebody said, I'm going to take my rock. I'm going to use my cracker. I'm going to run my race. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. The living Bible says, let everyone be sure that he's doing his very best. Then he'll have the personal satisfaction of work well done. Isn't that what we heard? Well done. And won't need to compare himself with someone else. The message says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Such freedom. That means I can enjoy what God does for me. Hallelujah. Hmm? If you, got, you, you believe God and you got a brand new Rolls Royce. And I believe God and got a brand new Ford pickup. How are you doing any better than me? I said, well, it costs so much more. Yeah, but I don't know what God gave you and what God told me. Why can't I shout as much over your Rolls Royce? And why can't you shout just as much about my pickup? Why, why can't we? We're all on the same team. Is that right? We're all? If I made some progress, I made some progress. If you made some progress, I don't know how well you're doing. I don't know what God gave you. I'm not your judge. You don't know how well I'm doing. And besides that, what is it to me? And what I'm doing, what is it to you? You, you can't know. What we can do is support each other. Yes. And be for each other. Yes. And encourage each other. Yes. And shout with each other. Yes. Is that right? Yes. Shout with each other. Yes. Make it a big deal yes. when your brother or sister has a victory. Yes. Make it a big deal. Yes. Make it a big deal. Rejoice with those yes. that rejoice. Yes. I remember a minister friend of mine some years ago. The Lord had dealt with us to cut back on some personal things and to uh, sow more. Uh, the Lord dealt with me about cars. Uh, he said, I don't care, Keith, if you have a dozen of the nicest there is, but they cannot be first. They, they, you got to put me first. And I, I knew I needed to make some changes. I, I sold what I had and I rode with my wife. That was a lesson. <laughs> I'd have to ask her, are you ready to go? I'd had my own car since I was 13. I grew up in the country. But it was good for me. It was. It was good for me. Well, after what was a couple of years, 
I felt a release that we had made the change. We're putting the kingdom first like we need to. And I can get a car. But I'm not at a new car place. We got a used car. It was a good one. And a friend of mine heard I was getting it. And he met me at the dealership. It was out of town. It was in his town. And so uh, he said, can you come back to the house? I said, yeah. Now this car was, I don't know, it was two or three years old. It had... 30,000 miles on it. Nice car, but, you know, not the biggest, fanciest thing you ever saw. But you'd have thought, I just got a brand new Rolls Royce. He said, come on, come on, come on. And so we followed him back to the house, and he said, pull it in the barn. He had a barn, nice barn. We pulled it in there, and uh, he called his boys. He said, boys, come and wash Brother Key's car and wax it. And he set some chairs up. And I got up. He said, oh, no, no, don't you do a thing. He said, that's what I made these boys for. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) I tell you who this was. Uh, Y'all saw uh, Dave Crank uh, Jr. and and, and them. This is his dad (laughs) who's in heaven now, Dave Crank Sr. And uh, he, he sat, we sat there and his wife brought us sandwiches and we sat there and watched them wash my car and polish my car. He said, isn't that, a, isn't that a great car? Look at that car. We sat there, yeah, that's a nice car. Look at that. Them boys is rubbing. I, I'm telling you about it. What an impact it made on me. It blessed me so much. Now he had, brand, he had brand new Cadillacs. He had brand new stuff that was way out beyond where I was. But he's shouting more about mine. Yeah. My used car as his new stuff. Why can't we do that for each other? Why why can't we do that for each other? Why does it have to be any competition, any comparison? Why can't I just shout over yours and you shout over mine? And if we do that, we'll be shouting all the time. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I believe we should exercise thanksgiving right now. Let's let's be thankful to the Lord for what we have. Come on, out of your own mouth. Tell, Tell the Lord, Lord, thank you so much for what you've given me. The revelation you've given me, the the anointing you've given me, the opportunities you've given me, the the resources you've given me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's sing thank you. What is it? I'm so blessed. My heart's at rest. Whatever. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. 